0: Thank you for listening to the sermon audio podcast from Greenwood Baptist Church in Weatherford, Texas. Now here's a message from our senior pastor, Brian Bond. All right. Good morning and happy mother's day. Um, we would like to, uh, take a moment and honor, um, the mothers that are here and, and all those that have had an impact in our lives by, um, being a part of us and, and helping to raise us when we were young. And so I want to take a moment to um, pray for all of, of our women in particular, just in honor of mothers, so if you'd pray with me. Dear Heavenly Father, we just thank you, Lord, for, for moms and, and for women and the way that they uh, show us, Lord, uh, a fuller picture of who you are. And Father, we just thank you for the ways that they, they bless us and they love us and they care for us. And uh, Father, we just pray blessings upon them and thank you Uh, Father, for uh, their part in our lives and and for allowing us to be a part of theirs. And Lord, we pray and we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, we are continuing in our series today about um, certain, about being certain in uncertain times. And I want to make something very clear. And that is that as I was planning out this sermon, I didn't pay a whole lot of attention to what was going to land on this particular day. And so I wanna make very clear that the topics are totally unrelated to Mother's Day, okay? So today we're talking about demons. <laughs> they're not related to your kids either, all right? It has nothing to do with, don't be, he's talking about you today, he saw the way you react. No, it has nothing to do with your kids either. Um, <laughs> So, last week we talked about the strategies of Satan and being able to recognize um, the, the lies and the way that, that he tries to deceive us. And today we are talking about demons. And uh, we're going to talk about um, how they operate in our world and how we can um, recognize that and what we, how we should resist it. And um, we're going to start with kind of d- uh, an explanation of what demons are. And uh, if you don't want to turn in your Bibles to Revelation chapter 12, verses 3 and 4. This is a prophecy about the end times, but in all prophecy in Scripture, a lot of times there are um, glimpses in the past as well as uh, prophetic words about the future. And so this is a, a, a one of those places where um, we get some insight into what's happened in the past as it relates to the future. So if you would please stand and honor the reading of God's Word, Revelation chapter 12, beginning in verse 3. Then I witnessed in heaven another significant event. I saw a large red dragon with seven heads and 10 horns with seven crowns on his heads. His tail swept away one third of the stars in the sky, and he threw them to the earth. He stood in front of the woman as she was about to give birth, ready to devour her baby as soon as it was born. Thank you, you may be seated. And so this is a picture of what happened before man was created, when uh, Satan rebelled, there are other places where it talks about his rebellion that he thought he could be equal with God. He rebelled against God and when God threw him out of heaven, a third of the angels went with him. So a demon is a fallen angel that has rebelled against God and now is a, a, a tool or a minion of the evil one. And so it is a spiritual being, is it, they are created beings, Um, They don't have physical form like we do. Um, They do intersect our world, and we're going to talk about that some too. But the Bible talks about the struggle that we have against um, uh, demonic forces as well as against the enemy. And it talks about that in Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 12. A final word, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. So first of all, I want to say that God tells us you can fight, you can resist. You can um, resist the temptations of evil. And then it goes on to talk about who our enemies are and where they operate. And I want to talk about the three places that are identified in Scripture where demons operate. The first one, and it was alluded to in that that verse we just read, is in the heavenly places. And that would be in a spiritual realm that is beyond this world, okay? And that's in Daniel chapter 10, verses 12 through 13. Daniel's praying to God and asking for wisdom. Um, He's humbling himself before him. And then an angel appears in chapter 10, verses 12 through 13, and the angel speaks to him. Then he said, don't be afraid, Daniel. Since the first day you began to pray for understanding and to humble yourself before your God, your request has been heard in heaven. I have come in answer to your prayer. But for 21 days, the spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia blocked my way. So that was demonic resistance to an answer to prayer. It happened in the the heavenly realms. The, The answer was sent in the form of an angel, but for 21 days, it was delayed in getting to Daniel. And so that's one of the things that we need to recognize is there is a a spiritual war that's going on all the time. When we're asking God for prayer requests, there's resistance to that, and there was resistance to his prayer. Then Michael, one of the archangels, came to help me, and I left him there with the spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia. So even in this realm, the angel had to get help from one of the archangels to be able to, to get to Daniel to answer his prayer. So, you know, that's one of the reasons why we need to continue in prayer is because sometimes there's resistance to the answers to our prayers. And so we need to keep, continue praying. Now, I, I wouldn't profess to understand how all that works and how it is that a, a demon could keep an angel from uh, getting to Daniel for 21 days, but there it is in Scripture. And so if it's there, that's, that's a, what I get from that is that I need to continue to prayer, pray and to pray fervently and to ask God for for answers to those prayers. So that's where we should get. So that's in the heavenly places. Now that's not something we can see, but it does affect us. I mean, Daniel didn't get that answer for 21 days. Maybe at that point he was even thinking, is God going to answer me? Well, the answer had already been sent, but it wasn't there yet because it was experiencing resistance in the heavenly places. Now the second place where demons operate is in the unseen world. And that is among us or around us but we can't see them, okay? And we find an example of that in 2 Kings chapter 6, verses 14 through 17. So one night, the king of Aram sent a great army with many chariots and horses to surround the city. He was trying to kill Elisha, the prophet. When the servant of the man of God got up early the next morning and went outside, there were troops, horses, and chariots everywhere. Oh, sir, what will we do now? The young man cried to Elisha. Don't be afraid, Elisha told him, for there are more on our side than are on theirs. Then Elisha prayed, O Lord, open his eyes and let him see. The Lord opened the young man's eyes, and when he looked up, he saw that the hillside around Elisha was filled with horses and chariots of fire. So there's two things you get from that: is Number one, Elisha recognized that there were more on his side than there were of the enemy. And sometimes we can get kind of overwhelmed Because we can see the effects of the forces of darkness. We can see those in the world around us. We can see those going on every day. Um, You know, I don't know if y'all knew this, but a little letter was leaked or a draft from the Supreme Court in the last week about overturning Roe versus Wade. And all of a sudden, boom, the whole world explodes. And a lot of that, I believe, was was demonic activity. We're going to talk about that in just a moment as well. But what did Elisha pray? He said, Lord, let him see. Elisha wasn't afraid. He he told his servant that. Don't be afraid. Just because you can see the forces of darkness does not mean that we're alone or that we're outnumbered. And so that's something that we need to take from that. Just because it seems like sometimes that we're in the minority or we're a small group, we are not outnumbered. Okay? God's a majority all the time. You know, I've heard people say, well, God plus one's a majority. You don't even need the one. God by himself is a majority. And what, what we can get from this picture is there is a spiritual war that's going on around us all the time. And it's been going on since the beginning, since man was created. And that spiritual war, the battleground is earth, and the, we're what is being fought over. Those who are created in God's image. The Bible tells us, uh, Jesus told us, the thief has come to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And he wants to destroy everyone who's created in God's image, and that's all people. So that's his aim. And there's a spiritual battle that's going on around us all the time. You know, you ever notice that, that sometimes, um, you know, you, you, you and your spouse, are, are you just at it and you're not really sure why? Sometimes that's because there's some of that warfare that's going on around us. And that's one of the reasons why you know I don't like to, when I'm getting into subjects like this one and the one I talked about last week, I don't like announcing them. I don't like letting the enemy know what I'm doing or what's coming because there there's, there's, can be greater resistance to that. It's not because I fear the enemy. See, two weeks ago, I announced what I was preaching last, last Sunday, okay? And were there attacks that came? Absolutely. I knew they were coming and I was ready for them. It doesn't mean I enjoyed them. I didn't, but I knew they were coming. And here's the deal. You don't have to be afraid of the enemy. He can't defeat you. You understand that? He cannot defeat you. So we're going to talk about that as we go. But now, now we're at the here and now. What about now? Well, in Matthew 8, 16, that evening, first you have the heavenly realms, then you have the unseen world, and then you can have, what what can we see? How can you see? Can you see demons sometimes? Absolutely. Here's where we see that. In Matthew 8, 16, that evening, many demon-possessed people were brought to Jesus. He cast out the evil spirits with a simple command and he healed all the sick. Now, I want to be very clear about this, but in my lifetime, I've come across a couple of people that I believe were demon-possessed, that I spent time with or were praying through with their family about certain things, I've probably come across more than that. And one of the things that we get mixed up sometimes, I do believe there are mental illnesses, okay? And I'm not trying to say that, but sometimes we label as mental illness what is really demon possession. Okay, so why you asking, does that still happen? Absolutely it does. Anything that was spiritually true during the time of Jesus is spiritually true now, okay? And there were demon-possessed people during the time of Jesus, so there are demon-possessed people right now. So, the first thing I want to tell you is, if you're a believer in Christ, if you belong to Jesus, you're a Christian, number one, you don't have to worry about being possessed by a demon. You cannot be possessed by a demon. In 1 John 4, 4, it says, but you belong to God, okay? You're God's possession, you're his family, so you can't be possessed by a demon. You have already won a victory over those people because the spirit who lives in you is greater than the spirit who lives in the world. So you have been indwelt by the Holy Spirit if you are a believer, okay? And the spirit that's in you is greater than any demon that will try to possess you. So you cannot be possessed by a demon. The, the scripture in other places says that the, that the spirit, Holy Spirit is a seal of God on you. The enemy cannot break that seal. He cannot possess a believer. But there are those that can be possessed because they do not have that protection. Now they can't be possessed against their will. You, they've invited at some point, through a, a decision or a series of decisions, what happens is, and, and as believers we can do this too, is you can give the enemy a foothold in your life. When you start uh, choosing to go against the things of God, maybe you've chosen to make you know, a secret sin and to keep that quiet and to continue in it, you've given him a foothold of influence in your life. But if you don't have Christ, you've invited him into your life. And that can end up in possession, okay? It doesn't start with one day, you know, you're walking along, you know, everything's great, and boom. You're possessed by a demon. That's not how it happens, I don't believe. It happens because you've given the enemy a foothold and you've opened the door for him. He can't enter into anybody without their permission. But people, a lot of times, give him permission by going along with his deception, with his lies, choosing to go down paths that they know are against the word of God, and are against the things of God. But as a believer, you cannot be possessed. So now we're going to talk about how demons work, demonic works in the world that we live in, okay? Acts 16, 16 through 18, and all these um, have to do with people that were possessed by a demon, and it gives us some insight into how they work. Now, I'm not going to try to tell you that this is a, comprehensive, everything, we're going to cover everything we're not. We're covering some of the basics here. In Acts 16, 16 through 18, one day as we were going down to the place of prayer, we met a slave girl who had a spirit that enabled her to tell the future. She earned a lot of money for her masters by telling fortunes. She followed Paul and the rest of us shouting, these men are servants of the most high God and they have come to tell you how to be saved. Now, number one, that's A fortune teller who's telling that so if you're a if you're trying to spread the gospel that's not really an endorsement that's more of an irritant but here's what it says this went on day after day they she just continued to do this as the demon did through her every single day until paul got so exasperated that he turned and said to the demon within her i command you in the name of jesus christ to come out of her and instantly it left her now, here's where you can see what, it, what the demon was trying to do. It was trying to irritate, annoy, and to incite anger. Okay? Now, what happened? Paul got exasperated, cast her out. Cast out the demon that was in her. Okay? So what happened after that? Well, the people who were her masters were angry because they were making money off this girl, quote, telling fortunes or whatever. And so what did they do? They roused up, got everybody riled up against Paul and the apostles, and it started a citywide riot. That's how the enemy works, as he tries to incite anger, tries to get a response from us, and then he wants to create division and violence wherever he can. So here's the thing, that caused division amongst the town, okay? And that's one of the signs of demonic activity is always going to be division and trying to turn people against each other. If you listen to a lot of the rhetoric that's accompanied that release of the, the decision regarding Roe versus Wade, a lot of it is divisive. There's been veiled references to violence. Um, last night, there were two protest groups at two of the Supreme Court justices' homes, their, their private homes, to try to intimidate them into changing their decision. That's how the enemy works. That's a sign of demonic activity. And a lot of the responses, if you've seen it, you're like, wow, man, there, you, there's yelling, all this talk about how angry they are. That's a demonic response. And one of the things that we need to be careful about doing is, and I believe our church has a firm stand on the, the sanctity of life and on defending the rights of the unborn. And, and so this is a time where we would celebrate. But one of the things we have to be careful about is allowing the anger that's directed towards us because of these decisions to get a response of anger in return. That's one of the things the enemy wants to do is to cause us to be angry. And the Bible tells us man's anger does not accomplish the righteousness of God. So our anger is not gonna make anything better. But sometimes when you hear the things they're saying, it's hard not to get angry, isn't it? So here's what I would encourage you to do. Instead of watching the news all night and getting madder and madder about what other people are saying, we should do what what we need to be doing as believers, and that's praying. Praying for our country, praying for our justices, praying that they would have the strength to make this decision. And then that doesn't mean that there's no abortion. All that means is it's been tossed back to the states. And praying that our state leaders and others would do the right thing and protect children. Because all those children, those babies in the womb were created in the image of God. They were formed in the womb by him. Look up Psalm 139. And that's why Satan is so intent on destroying them is because they're created in the image of God. And Satan wants to destroy everyone and everything that is in the image of God. Okay, And that's why there's this passion about destroying God's image. And it comes through deception. We're going to talk about that too. And it, but, but watch and look at some of the responses and you're, you'll see marks of demonic activity. When the anger is like elevated almost to the beyond the point where they can contain themselves, when there's talk about... Um, the, and one of the things the enemy does a lot is will accuse the people that oppose them with truth of the exact things that they're doing. And so watch and you'll see there's a lot, of a, a lot of demonic activity going on. But don't watch it too much. Turn it off and pray. All right, so anyway. Now, here's another way that demonic activity gets, that we can see that here on this earth. In Matthew 8, 28, 29, when Jesus arrived on the other side of the lake in the region of the Gadarenes, two men who were possessed by demons met him. They came out of the tombs and were so violent that no one could go through that area. They began screaming at him, Why are you interfering with us, son of God? Have you come here to torture us before God's appointed time? Now, one thing, here's one of the things I want you to see clearly about this spiritually, is that last part tells us something. They asked him, Have you come here to torture us before God's appointed time? Here's the thing. Satan and his demons know what their end is because they, they know the Bible. They know what God has said, that there is going to come a time where they're going to be consigned to a lake of fire, and they're going to be put in chains permanently, it'll be eternal, and they'll be, that's where their abode's gonna be for all eternity. They know that. So here's the thing, the closer we get to that time where they're going to be cast, here's what happens, is there's a sense of desperation, And they ramp up the activity. I mean, imagine, they're screaming at God's son. They're screaming at him. Now, they're not touching him, they're not assaulting him, but they're screaming at him because they fear what's coming. And what does fear do? It makes you desperate. So here's the other part of that. And this is where I think we see this in the world today. You know, a few years ago, a young man went into a, a church in North Carolina, Everybody in that church was gracious to him and loving towards him and and did nothing but welcome him. And what did he do? He pulls out a gun and kills a a number of them, indiscriminately. He even said later on how nice they were. And now we're seeing this phenomenon that's happening in our country on a regular basis of people just going in and indiscriminately killing people they don't know. Whether it's running them down and a... Um, in a in a public setting, or killing people, that's demonic activity. You know, I mean, we can at least have an idea of, hey, here's this guy and we've had fights and, and, and we've been at war for a long time, and, and even though it's not excusable, but we can at least understand that. You know, well, he went and killed this guy that he's had this long-term feud with, but people going in and, and killing just people indiscriminately, that's demonic. That's simply demonic activity of trying to destroy anyone created in the image of God. And that's become a, a that's been ramped up, okay? And that's becoming more and more frequent. Now, I wanna say one thing here, all right? Some, you can't always meet that kind of threat or that kind of violence. This, these two demons that were possessing these two men would just attack anybody indiscriminately that came near them. That's demonic activity, and that's what we see now. Now, in our day and age, it is perfectly acceptable to defend your life or defend somebody else. In the scripture, it talks about self-defense. It's perfectly justified, okay? So, defend yourselves against that kind of violence, all right? And however you choose to do that, feel free. One of the things Jesus told the disciples before they went out from the Last Supper, he said, if anyone... Um, does not have a sword, let him sell his cloak and buy one. And they said, we have two. He said, it's enough, and they went out, all right? So the disciples, here's something people miss. We're already carrying weapons to defend themselves. And that is clearly a right that comes from God. It's in Scripture, the right to defend ourselves. Now, we don't have the right to go, and take the life of somebody we disagree with politically or in any other way, or somebody that said something that offends us, but someone that's trying to take our life or trying to take others, yes, we have the right to defend ourselves. So, prayer is our best defense against demonic activity, but there are times when another type of defense is warranted and sometimes necessary. So that's some of the ways that we see demon-possessed people operate is, is violence, and you'll see them carry out just indiscriminate violence against anyone that is created in the image of God. So that's the second way that we see demonic activity. All right, another way is in 2 Corinthians 4.4. 4. Satan, who is the God of this world, has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. They are unable to see the glorious light of the good news. They don't understand this message about the glory of Christ, who is the exact likeness of God. That's one of the great works of demonic activity is to deceive people. And so you'll hear all the time, oh, well, Christians are just trying to to force women to do this or that. We're not trying to force people. What we're trying to do is protect an unborn life. And one of the reasons why we do that is because we know that not only does that, the the absence of the, the destruction of that life go against God's word, but it also causes the woman who gets an abortion to suffer a lifelong wound. And that's one of the reasons why you see this escalation of anger is because Satan uses those areas in our lives where we're wounded and where we're hurt to hurt other people. And one of the things that we want to do is to tell them the truth. Hey, we all have wounds that can only be healed by Jesus. And so we're not trying to condemn people that have had an abortion, we want to tell them the good news of Jesus, that they can be healed, that they can be forgiven. And Satan will always try to blind the minds of those who have sinned. And he does the same thing to us. I was talking about it the other day with someone that one of the things that Satan will tell you, when, you're, when you've done something or there's a problem going on, the first lie from the enemy is, Man, you can't tell people up at church that. They're going to look at you like you're some kind of freak. Because look at them. They all got their stuff together. And you're going to go up and tell them that you've done this or that you're having this kind of problem. That is a lie from the enemy. Hey, look. Look around for just a minute. Look, just do it. Look around to you. Ain't nobody in here got all their stuff together, including me. You understand, you understand that? We're all sinners who have come together to worship a God who redeems people from sin, who forgives sin. And so that, that first lie, oh, they're, they're going to condemn you. They're going to think you're They're going to look at you. Let me tell you something. You could go in with any sin into a group in this church and there'd be somebody go, you know what, man, I've been through that. And probably everybody in there would have struggled with it at some degree. That's the truth. But the enemy doesn't want you to get healing. He wants you to suffer. And so what does he do? He tries to compound the suffering by trying to tell people that have had an abortion, the only way you can feel better is if everybody agrees that it's okay to do that. But even if everybody agreed, it wouldn't heal that hurt in your heart and in your life. It wouldn't. And here's the thing. Everybody in here has been touched by abortion in one way or another. You know, last night we went to a wedding of a young couple from our church, and um, I was sitting around there grateful, man. my, 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 you know, my Braxton was, was there, Taylor was in the wedding, and, and my daughter and son-in-law were there, and my grandbaby and my wife. So my, my whole family, you know, immediate family's there. But what a lot of people don't know, and what you may not know, is there was a seat that should have been filled with, with somebody that wasn't there. You see, my wife and I, when we began to realize that we couldn't have a child on our own, we started seeking out an adoption, and we started working with a, a, a college student that had determined, had gotten pregnant, and determined that um, they couldn't raise a baby. And so we worked with her for months, preparing for a child to come into our home. And then the day came where we had, we, we couldn't contact her. And it, this went on for days and days, And finally, we got a phone call, and someone that had been helping us with it told us that she had decided to go and get a late-term abortion. And ever since that day, I've known that our family's missing somebody that we're supposed to have. And you know what? That nursery back there is missing some babies. That children's area. Our youth... Youth ministry, there are, there are seats in here, believe it or not, that would be filled with other people. And we don't understand the full depth of that loss. But 60 million people so far were not allowed to be born. Their lives are taken while they were in the womb. And we all are different because of it, even in ways that we, we have no idea. Who knows? The friends, the family members... The people that would have had impact on our lives that we're missing as a result of that. And we should grieve that as a church and as a nation. But there's hope. Because you know what? There's healing, and there's forgiveness, and there is restoration through Jesus. And so no matter how much the enemy tries to blind people, our job as a church is not to condemn for their sin, It's to offer them the truth of God's Word and the good news about Jesus. Do you know what Satan loves? His greatest hope, if he can't destroy those who are in God's image, is to keep them from the news that God loves them, that He cares for them, that He died for them, and that they can be forgiven. So whatever happens... That's why there, even last night and today, I'm sure when we get home we're going to find out that there were protests at churches. There were some last night at Catholic churches protesting against those churches because of their pro-life stance. And here's the thing. That's the enemy deceiving people into thinking that the people that want to tell them the good news are the enemy. That's how the enemy works. He blinds the minds of those who don't believe. And so those people, just like we said at the beginning, they're not the enemy. They're not the enemy. But we have the opportunity to to share and to give the good news to those folks. Now there's one other thing that's a little uncomfortable when you talk about demons or torment or whatever. They, They torment people. And I would like to tell you That just like in those other instances, they weren't allowed to touch Christians or whatever, that a demon could never touch you or torment you. But that's not true. In 2 Corinthians 12, 7, Paul is saying, even though I have received such wonderful revelations from God, so to keep me from becoming proud, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger from Satan to torment me and keep me from becoming proud. So he was tormented by a messenger of Satan, a demon. And Job experienced afflictions at the hand of Satan as well. Here's the one thing I can tell you. Anything that would happen from a demon against you personally only happens under the permissive will of God, it is only by his permission. And there is always a purpose. Paul, the purpose that Paul stated that he knew was it was to keep him from becoming proud. And so I'm I'm not trying to tell you, I've known people that saw a demon behind every bush. Every time, somehow I can't find my keys. Not today, Satan. I know you're hiding my, sometimes you just forgot where you put them, all right? It's not necessarily a demon. You understand what I'm saying? So every bad thing that comes along in life, is not because of Satan, all right? But as a believer, here's what I do know. And here's what I, I do, the same thing. If there starts to be a pattern of, of difficult things happening, I start asking God, God, did I do something? Are you trying to discipline me? Or maybe this is a test. I start asking God. David, used, David prayed, hey, if there's any sense, because sometimes we don't see our own sin. It kind of sneaks up on us. And we need somebody else to show us. That's one of the things the Word of God does. The Bible says this is a mirror. And the more we look into it, the more it shows us those things in us that are wrong. Okay? And so, but sometimes we need somebody else. Maybe it's God himself telling us. And one of the things that I do, and I'm not talking about every little thing, but I say, God, is, is this your discipline? Are you trying to teach me something? Is there something that I've allowed in my life that you're trying to, 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 to prod me to get rid of it? Or maybe this is just a test. So be aware that that can happen. Now, it doesn't say in the Bible anywhere about it. How often this happens, there's nobody else in the scripture, none of the other apostles or writers in scripture talk about being buffeted by a messenger of the enemy, of Satan, other than Paul. So maybe it's really rare, I don't know. But I do know that circumstances, God can use those to try to get our attention. And we should be sensitive to that and asking God, is there something that you want to do? Now, how do you protect yourself? From the enemy. Because here's what he wants to do. He wants to, if if you're a believer, he's like, okay, we lost that battle. But we can make them miserable. And we can make them where they're not good, not any use in the kingdom of God anymore. How do they do that? By trying to deceive us, by trying to tempt us, by trying to pull us away from God. And how do we combat that? Number one, don't give the enemy a foothold in your life. Don't give him a place in your heart. He can't possess you. But don't give him any ground. When you sin, go before God and confess it. Secret sins are one of the most fertile grounds that you can give to the enemy and will will make you ineffective for the kingdom of God. And number two, are going to make you miserable. So, what does the Bible tell us? It says, confess your sins before God. All right? Keep short accounts. Always evaluate, hey, am I I following Jesus? Am I living up to the things of the word? Be in the word of God. Look in the mirror as much as you can. Don't give him a foothold. Be careful about how we walk. It says in uh, 1 Peter, it says, for be of sober spirit, be on the alert. Your enemy, the devil, or your adversary, the devil, prowls about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. And how's he, how, what does he want to devour? He wants to, he wants to pull you away from God. He wants to wreck your walk with Him. He wants to wreck your marriage. He wants to wreck your relationship with your kids. He wants to do all those things. And so beware and be aware of those things as they come. Now, here's the last thing. I said earlier that all of us have been Affected in some way by abortion. And some of us in here have have participated in that in one way or another. Maybe you had one, or maybe you encouraged somebody else, or pushed someone else to have one. And here's what I what I want you to know. There's a way to be healed. There's a way to be made whole. And that's through Jesus. I want to read to you from Isaiah 53, 3 through 6. And this is the news that Satan most wants us to not tell people. He was despised and rejected, a man of sorrows, acquainted with deepest grief. We turned our backs on him and looked the other way. He was despised and we did not care. Yet it was our weakness he carried. It was our sorrows that weighed him down. And we thought his troubles were a punishment from God... A punishment for his own sins. But he was pierced for our rebellion. Crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. All of us, like sheep, have strayed away. We have left God's paths to follow our own. Yet the Lord laid on him the sins of us all. So what I want you to know is our church, we're not here to condemn people that have had an abortion. We're not here to condemn people who advocate for that. We're here to tell them that guess what? There was one that died who was beaten and who suffered so that you could be healed, so you could be made whole. And we want you to know healing. My wife... She's actually in this service. Carrie, raise your hand. She's right down there. She's a pretty one right there. Not that all the rest of y'all ain't pretty. I didn't mean that. I should just... Anyhow, for years, she's been working with a ministry to bring healing to women who've suffered the pain of of abortion. And if you want to contact her, there are ways that you can do that on Facebook or, or in other ways um, call a lady in the church office and that would be completely confidential she's, never, she's gone through that process with a number of people through the years she's never even told me how many and she's never told me a single name and so that is 100% confidential and we offer that to you because we want you to be made whole and we want you to know you can be forgiven and that you can be healed And I know that there's some that, well, you know, there's some sins that, you know, you don't know what I've done or you don't know the things I've done. I don't have to know them. I want to read this last part to you again. The Lord laid on him the sins of us all. Jesus died for your sins. And the enemy will try to tell you, you can't be forgiven of that sin. That's a lie. There is no sin that you've committed that you cannot be forgiven for. And that's what we want to share with you and want you to know. And here's the deal. In the battle against demonic lies and against the, the, the things that are going to come, it's going to get worse. As we get closer to that time, demonic activity is going to rise. And our best weapon is number one, prayer, and number two, love. We have good news to share with people that are hurting, with people that are angry, with people that hate, hate us. And the good news is, guess what? God forgave my sins and he'll forgive yours too. Jesus died so that you could be healed and so that you could be whole. But here's the thing. The only way to receive that healing and the only way to be made whole is through him, is through the one that suffered and died for your sins. There's no court decision, there's no political victory, there's nothing that'll make you whole. Only Jesus can do that. And you know what, as believers, we need to be careful too. Just getting such and such people elected or getting such and such laws passed is not going to heal this country. The only thing that can heal is Jesus. And that is the best news we have. Now I'm not saying we shouldn't vote, we should. We ought to vote in accordance with what we believe. And should we, I, I hope and pray that, that, that Roe versus Wade is overturned. I've been praying for it for 30 years now. And that will be a great day in my mind and in my heart, but it's just the beginning and even that, is not going to fix things. It's only if we, if, this, if this country and the people in this country will return to God, the one who created them and the one who loved them more than anybody else. That's the only chance to be healed. And that's what we have, is good news. You can be forgiven, you can be healed, and you can be made whole through Jesus. So don't forget those things. There are going to be forces that oppose us, but we're to be instruments of light and truth and love. So don't let the anger of those that might oppose you provoke you to anger. Respond in love and respond with good news. You know, the best news is this, that if you're here today and you don't have a relationship with Jesus, you can have one. It's available for you. Jesus died for your sins, but you have to grasp hold of that. And you do that by having a personal relationship with him. And I would love to give you the opportunity to do that. There's three simple things. Number one is you gotta acknowledge that you're a sinner and ask forgiveness of your sins. Every single one of us has to do that, me included. I had to do that when I became a believer as a, as a youngster. And it's available for you. The second thing is you have to believe that Jesus is God's son that He died on the cross for your sins, and that He rose on the third day according to Scripture. And then the last things in Romans 10, 9, and 10. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. And so I'd like to, like, to, to lead anyone who would like to know their sins are forgiven, would like to know that their eternal destiny is set with God in heaven. I'd like to know that I gave you the opportunity to make that decision. So I wanna do that right now. And if you'd like to do that, you'd like to know your sins are forgiven, you have peace with God, and that peace is gonna be forever. I wanna ask everyone in here to bow your heads, close your eyes for a moment, and I wanna lead you in a prayer of salvation. And you can repeat this prayer after me, or you can pray it in your own words. But if you'd like to know those things, I wanna encourage you to pray it with me right now. Dear God, thank you for loving me and thank you for Jesus. God, I know I'm a sinner. Forgive me of my sins. Come into my heart, my life, and cleanse me and make me yours. I believe Jesus is your son. I believe he died on the cross for my sins. And I believe he rose on the third day According to scripture. So today, I trust Jesus as my Savior. And I confess Him as my Lord. Now, without anybody looking around, I want to ask you to do one more thing. Because I want to pray for you. And I want to encourage you for just a moment. If you prayed that prayer today and you meant it, here's what I want you to do. I just want you to look up at me for just a moment. Okay? All right? Okay, see you. All right. Now here's what I want to encourage you to do. After the service, there'll be a staff member who'll stand here at the front after our closing prayer. And if you'd like to talk to someone about that today, we'd love to talk to you. Or maybe you just wanna come by and set up a time to talk some other time, that's fine too. There's also a number on your screen. You can text that number. We'll get back with you and set up a time to answer any questions you have and talk to you about the next steps in following Jesus. Now I wanna say something to you up front. We're not gonna ask you for anything. We're not gonna put you on a mailing list. We're not gonna bug you about it. We just wanna help. And so well, I'd encourage you to tell someone and we would love for you to let us know that you've made that decision. We'd love to encourage you in that. And so I wanna pray for you right now and encourage you in that decision and pray for all of us that God would help us to love and to live as Jesus lived. So let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you, God, for your mercy and your love and your blessing. We thank you for children and for mothers and fathers. We thank you, Lord, for the gift of life. And Father, I pray for those that are here, particularly those that came to a saving knowledge of Jesus today, that you would bless them and strengthen them today. Father, I pray you'd help us all to live in a way that glorifies and honors you, that, our, that your love through us would be obvious to all. Thank you, God, for your son. Thank you for redemption. Thank you for healing. Thank you for the promise of being made whole. We pray and we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Sermon Audio Podcast from Greenwood Baptist Church in Weatherford, Texas. You can find links to topics and scriptures discussed in this episode by looking at the show notes. You can find more information online at greenwood.church. If you have any questions or comments, please send an email to info at greenwoodbc.com.